0: One of my junior team members basically took me to one side and told me that the managing director had told her that she had to shadow me in every single role and thing that I was doing as I returned and basically train her how to do my role because she was going to be taking over when I left. I don't know how I actually kept it together, (laughs) but I just sort of went right okay (laughs) and she tootled back off to her desk obviously not realizing what she just said or done or set a rabbit off in my head but I remember marching into commercial or managing director's office and sort of saying that this is what a junior member of my team has just told me
1: feeling shaky after maternity or another long leave from work Comeback Coach is the Wobbly Bottom podcast about kick-ass comebacks with coaching psychologist Jessica Chivers. She's exactly what you need when you're riding the return-to-work rollercoaster. In this Comeback episode, we hear about the wobbly moments and successes of someone who's made a comeback. Jessica also hosts longer coach episodes, where we eavesdrop on a one-time coaching conversation. Hello, my guest today is Chaney Hamilton, founder of Find Your Flex, the flexible job site that's on a mission to create a better work culture for future generations. And it was developed off the back of Chaney's 16 years' employment in recruitment advertising, which came to an end after she had her second daughter. She's married to Liam, and they have three children who are six, four, and two. Their eldest child, Bea, was born with hip dysplasia, and it was an incredibly difficult time for both Chaney and Liam. Liam was the first man in his organisation to take shared parental leave, and that kicked in when Bee was five months old and Chaney returned to work full time. Childcare outside the family wasn't an option at the time because of Bee's condition, and Liam found being home alone with Bee a really challenging time. Yet despite all their trials, they've triumphed. Now, just before we hear Chaney's story, a question for you What's it like to take an extended period of leave from your workplace? Could it be better? The reason I ask is because this podcast forms part of the Comeback Community Employee Experience, which is designed to keep colleagues feeling confident, connected and cared for when they take extended leave from work. And if you think your organisation needs to improve the way it cares for people experiencing maternity, adoption, shared parental or sick leave, I'd be really grateful if you tell your head of HR or chief people officer about this podcast and send them a link to comebackcommunity.co.uk. Now, I need to thank Raiden Solicitors, the award winning family law firm who have supported Comeback Coach since its inception. If you're unfortunate enough to need family legal advice, then they really are the place to go. They're warm, they're caring, they're professional, and their website is raidensolicitors.co.uk. Chaney thanks so much for having some time to chat to me today. Now your daughter B was born with a disability and that brought with it very challenging times for both you and your husband Liam. I'm wondering if you'd tell me about B and the impact that it had on your and Liam's health at the time.
0: B was our first child, I um, was 33 when we had B. B was born with developmental hip dysplasia, DDH, something that I had never heard of before. I think I went into motherhood like all of us the first time, not knowing a lot and just figuring that I'm going to figure it out as I go. So B, it wasn't picked up actually on the day she was born. I literally noticed that she just wasn't kicking her right leg at all when she was about four weeks older. And I remember talking to my mum about it and just saying, look, something's not right. You know, mother's instinct. My mum was like, no, no, she's fine. She's fine. I kind of doubted myself and I waited another two weeks, which I always kick myself for before I took her to the doctors. And they obviously immediately saw something wrong, referred us to... The hospital where she was born and they confirmed that she had hip dysplasia her hip joint essentially was just completely unstable leg was popping in and out all the time now i'd never heard of this before apparently it affects one in ten children in the uk or maybe even globally i'm not sure and obviously for us as first-time parents we were completely shocked that oh my god our beautiful perfect child isn't perfect and you know is she in pain not understanding really what was going on I was really, really happy that we Googled what the treatment methods were for hip dysplasia, so at least I had some kind of clue what was going to kind of happen to us over the next few days because when we went in there, they literally just flung her in this harness and walked back out of the room. (laughs) And I was breastfeeding at the time and I didn't even know how to pick up my child or, you know, get her to the breast to feed, how to comfort, because obviously she's in this contraption which basically makes your child trussed up like a little chicken or frog. And you just didn't know how to hold her and and it was just like it was just emotionally and and visually it was just such a shock and I remember me and Liam sort of driving home from the hospital with her and she couldn't go in a car seat because of how she was strapped up and stuff like that and I remember we just cried all the way home and my dad had just jumped in the car and come down to us and just sort of give us and I'm probably going to get emotional talking about this because I never talk about this because just looking back and reflecting Mm. on it is is Mm. really upsetting but yeah, we, mm. and I just remember that first day we got home and I think I allowed myself that one cry then I was like, that's it, I've got to be strong now because, you know, she's going through this. Anyway, we went back after a week and the doctor actually spoke to us this time and told us that he didn't feel it was working. He felt that the harness was actually holding the leg out of the joint. It normally works, you know, for most children. The public harness normally sort of sort things out within a few weeks and then they lead a normal life. And with B... After two weeks in the public harness, it had just caused more damage. And they made the decision to put her in a frog cast, which is essentially a full body cast. So at eight weeks old, she was from underneath her armpits down to her knees in a body cast. We got in touch with Steps Charity, who helped us out with an adapted car seat so that we could actually get her into the car and stuff like that. And, you know, they were amazing. Put us in touch with other communities and parents that were going through and I had the pleasure of coming across Natalie Trice, who is to DDH what Jolly Braley is to pregnant mothers <laughs> that get screwed over, and trying to find out more about, you know, what was going on with our daughter. She was in that cast for sort of three months, and it was a really weird experience because I remember, you know, even daft things like, you know, when you're first parent, you take your child in to work with you to show everybody your baby. And I was taking mine in, in a full body cast, walking through central London, having people staring at me, seeing a child in a cast like, what the f have you done to your child like what have you done that your child's in a full body and you just feel this judgment all the time and I remember taking her into work and like she was a gorgeous baby do you know what I mean but people like didn't know what to say or you know it was such a really weird Mm. experience Mm. so yeah so there's all that kind of going on and she was in that for three months and she came out of it and they sort of felt that it was stable that the, that the hip was in place and then we went back three months later for a first check and I remember going into the x-ray room with her when she had it you know when you see that first shot it coming back before you even see the specialist and I just knew it had re-dislocated and we got upstairs and it had and, and oh. basically that meant we had to start on surgeries so she had multiple surgeries I think she had the final big op at 10 months old and oh my god As a parent, I wouldn't wish that on my worst, worst enemy. She's six months old. She went in for her first surgery and and again at 10 months. And it was just horrible, especially at this time. You know, I'd gone back to work after she was five months old. And before all of this, me and Liam had agreed that Liam wanted to take shared parental leave. And he was the first man in his organisation, 20th Century Fox, at the time to take it so it was a, a big learning curve for both of us and you know I went back to work at five months and he stayed off and we were essentially while we were at home with B, because of being in these body casts and, and having these surgeries and things like that it kind of meant that she wasn't allowed any of the usual childhood inoculation so we couldn't really be around other kids we couldn't get grandparents to help because I think Liam's mum had just had back surgery and stuff like that and she couldn't lift us. so we were literally on lockdown when we were at home because we couldn't go anywhere get anywhere because of the cast and everything was just as it was like even going to play groups and stuff I don't know if you want to sort of get into this kind of stuff now but I mean Liam really started struggling at being home all the time with her and, and not having any adult mm-hmm. interaction with other mm-hmm. people and whether it was the male version of postnatal depression or whether it was just the situation itself, because it is quite awful to think of your child in pain or, you know, not being able to hug them properly. I mean, I couldn't hug her body like face to face. I have to turn around and hug her from the back and stuff like that. And just not having the connections that you kind of expect to be able to have with your child. I remember always playing with her feet because her feet used to be the only thing that were kind of uncovered Mm -hmm. by the cast and things like that. But Liam really started to struggle and, you know, we had to go to the doctors and and I'm glad I went in with him because he wouldn't have told the truth. on know like. He wouldn't have told him how much it was actually affecting him and the thoughts that he was having. And the doctor was brilliant. And because I made him tell him what was going on in his mind that he sorted out, you know, CBT and ways to cope with the anxiety and the panic attack and the thoughts that he was having and I went to my boss at the time and obviously told him the situation he said look Liam's not coping and he needs to go back to work even if it's just one day a week for that adult time he needs to get out the house because you know what's going on at the minute at home it's just too much and so he agreed that I'd go down to four days but he'd continue to pay me my full-time hours because he didn't want us to lose out financially on top of everything else that was going on so that was just so amazing and supportive and Liam went back one day a week and You know, he definitely got stronger off the back of that and he found the CBT and the additional support he was getting there really, really useful and helpful. And, you know, I think it was about 15, 16 months old before she finally came out of a cast and started to learn to walk and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, touch wood, you know, at the minute we're not out of the woods, but her development is getting better every year. There's still a chance that she will need a, you know, hip replacement potentially in her 30s. But at the minute, everything's kind of looking
1: okay. Oh, Cheney! gosh, you have just been through such a rough ride as a family. And my goodness, and th- thank you for being so honest. And it's really good to hear that your boss was so supportive. You know, you went down to four days a week, yet you were still being paid for five. And I imagine you were still making a full time contribution anyway. And how terrific that Liam's employer was you know happy for him to go back that one day a week because he was on shared parental leave at the time wasn't he but you know going back to one day a week it meant that he was getting out of the house and he was having that headspace time so in your experience when and how frequently should someone communicate with their boss about what's going on at home because you're having a really difficult time and i imagine there'll be some people that really do keep things separate and don't yeah. don't talk to their employer and just what's your view on that
0: i remember sitting there with my team and talking to ali andrews about it and she was on my team and and she was just sort of saying look you know you just need to tell Malcolm what's going on because he'll understand. And she goes, "Do it now. Do it while it's you're feeling this way and, and fresh and feeling the need to communicate." And that's what I did. You know, I, I think at the time I got him on the phone and really just went through everything that was going on. I mean, he'd obviously known prior to me returning to work that there'd been issues with B. I remember. I think I was at work when we found out that the initial cast had failed. And I remember just walking into my commercial director's office and my managing director's office and they were both in there together and literally I just couldn't hold it in. And I, I'm not a person to cry. I'm quite stoic. I do that whole British stiff upper lip thing. But when it's just kids sometimes you just can't hold it in and I think it was almost good that I did that because they probably both had children and, and I think they just kind of understood that breaking point moment that it's failed I'm gonna to have to go through all this again this now means surgery and I think yes I think it is really important that you do engage them with what's going on it, I mean it I'm not saying talk to them every day about it, but key moments when that stress is getting high and you can feel your own mental health and your own stability going, I think that's when you need to share. I don't think it ever affected my work, but because I think I found work as kind of a way to separate myself and take myself out and discombobulate everything that was going on at home into a work setting where I just didn't have to think about it. Yeah, that would be the main sort of thing for me in terms of, mm. sort of really being open with them. Just let them see the emotion because I think people, we're human, aren't we? We resonate with that. And I think I'm not saying for a minute, go in and cry every day because obviously that's not healthy <laughs> either. But certainly let them see what's going on.
1: And what about Liam then? What was Liam's story? Did he return to work full time after the show parentally? Did he not go back? What did he tell his employer?
0: He ended up being off by the end of it, it was about eight months where she was in the cast for that long. Like I said we couldn't put her into any child care so he was going in one day for the sort of the back five months I would say of that eight months and I was doing four days and then I continued to do four days after she had the cast off and I think Liam was doing condensed hours I think he was trying to get all of his hours in three days he was home for two days I was home from one and then she was going to the grandparents two days a week so uh, yeah he went back and did condensed hours I mean I know for a fact that by the time we got pregnant with Eliza there was a promotion at his work available and he got passed over for it because he took that shared parental leave, which is a whole other story. Do you know that? They always promoted from within. Right, okay, gosh. There was a few comments to him about him taking shared parental leave, but almost along the, well, what's wrong with your wife? Why isn't she doing it? It was kind of like those kind of comments that were made. Some of the comments he felt were were more out of jealousy, that other men hadn't had the opportunity to do the same thing, and then others were genuinely kind of patronising. So, Yeah, God, it's so difficult, and someone has to be a
1: trailblazer.
0: Yeah, they'd always promoted from within, within that business and Liam was more than qualified to do the role. And yeah, he definitely felt like he would got passed off for promotion.
1: So when did Find Your Flex come about, the business that you now run?
0: I was still at work after B and I fell pregnant with Eliza. And I think I was about five months into my maternity leave with Eliza when I had a chat with my boss around wanting to work flexibly because we were out in stands by that point Well, the office was in central London and I was like I didn't you know I wanted to work flexibly I didn't want to do less hours but I wanted to do like a couple of days from home and where he'd been so flexible with B because she'd been ill he was no longer feeling that flexible when it came to having Because obviously, by that point, I had two healthy children. And if he offered flexible working this time, he was going to be setting a a precedent in an office that was 95% female. So I decided that, you know, actually, that's not really how I wanted to see my children only 20 minutes of a day. By the time that you've done the commute and you've got home, you know, I'd see them for 20 minutes and then they'd be in bed. And I just didn't want that. So I started looking around for other jobs that were flexible, that were senior, and there was just literally nothing out there. I'd worked in recruitment advertising for like 16 years by that point, and I was just like, "Well, I know these jobs exist. I know businesses offer, you know, flexible working, but I can't find any for me." And everything that was on like social media and things like that it was all around multi-level marketing companies. I was like, "I'm not going there." So because I'd worked on, I think by that point, over 500 job boards, I decided that I was going to create Mummy Jobs, which was the first platform, and that was for senior women who just happen to have children and want to work flexibly. The original branding was like black and gold. I didn't want it to be mumsy at all. It was just like, it was about being like a serious site. Obviously, we've moved on from there. And within six months of launching that, I think we launched that in the May. And then six weeks later, we launched the Daddy Jobs platform. And not long after that, we went viral for the first time. And my post on LinkedIn reached something like 1.27 million people in 10 days. And the large majority were asking... What did you post that did that? It was my raison d'etre, shall we say, Jessica. <laughs> it was me. But, you know, I don't take bullshit very well at all. I work in a world of black and white. I don't do shades of gray. <laughs> Sometimes I just have to say what I think. And it was one of those. I'm sure you've all seen them on LinkedIn when I get my little high horse. Basically, a woman had contacted me about applying for the jobs and it had asked me how much she needed to pay to apply. And it absolutely gutted me. I was like, no, this is a proper PAYE job. It's an actual employer. Just rather than going into an office, you can do it from home. But you looked at the culture that was around at the time, and it was all multi level marketing companies, and these women, were feeling that devalued, that they were prepared to pay to work. And I just thought it was disgusting. And I literally, I said, I basically put that on my LinkedIn post, that employers had to step up, do better. I'd left a six-figure salary to set up this platform to get more employers to talk about flexible working and to promote their senior roles in a flexible way and the benefit for it and just set my stall out really and it obviously just resonated with a lot of people I had women ringing me up from supermarkets crying saying I've just read your LinkedIn message and oh my god I'm with you and stuff like that it was crazy but a lot of people rang me up I'm not a parent but I want to work flexibly can I apply for the jobs and that's kind of where we went away and came back with the find your flex platform and that's really how that was launched
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, you know that I'm a huge admirer of yours. And I would love to stay here and chat longer about the business and who you're working with. But we can't do that. And on every episode of these comeback episodes, I always ask my guests to tell me about their lowest, wobbliest moment, because I describe the podcast as being for people who are riding the return to work roller coasters. So there are peaks and troughs. So will you tell me about that lowest, Wobbliest
0: moment, and then I want to hear about the peak experience when you went back to work. I think my wobbliest moment was literally I think I don't even back a day, one day, I think it was my first day back. Obviously, going through all everything that I was going through with B, plus the fact that I worked in digital and that space moves on so quickly, which is why I'd only wanted to take five months maternity leave anyway. One of my junior team members basically took me to one side and told me that the managing director had told her that she had to shadow me in every single role and thing that I was doing as I returned and basically train her how to do my role because she was going to be taken over when I left. What? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I actually kept it together. <laughs> but I just sort of went right okay (laughs) and she tootled back off to her desk obviously not realizing what she just sort of said or done or set a rabbit off in my head but I remember marching into commercial or managing director's office and sort of saying that this is what a junior member of my team has just told me I think I cried but you're getting someone like me. (laughs) I'm going to give, you know, the owner the benefit of the doubt that this conversation, I'm sure this conversation happened, but not in the way she's just delivered it to me. (laughs) Because otherwise I'd love to know where I'm going (laughs) if if she's taking over my job. Especially as I'd taken that really tough decision to come back after five months and leave my child at home and only see him for 20 minutes every day. You know, I'm still breastfeeding and all of that. So, you know, it's like an emotional rollercoaster. But yeah, that was my lowest point. That was literally first day back. Some little upstart telling me that.
1: <laughs> Cheney. that's astonishing so go on take me to the peak moment now something really
0: good when you return to work. It's gonna sound so bad but it was just actually being able to return to work as <laughs> the pressure and the stress that was just going on at home with everything with B, it was like just being able to switch off from what was going on at home that was the peak and that's probably going to sound really awful as a mother but no my, my mental health needed that to be able to switch off and just to do something other than what was going on at home
1: yeah no I totally get that I totally get that and so for people listening who have got a child who is affected with a disability then what would be your three top tips or learning points that you would like to pass on to those other parents preparing to return to work
0: the first is just to be really open with your employer because there's always ups and downs. And I was fortunate that there was light at the end of the tunnel with us with B. I I mean, I know it's ongoing, but that first really intense sort of period did pass after she was 18 months old. So I think that's the first thing, just to really be really open with your employers and your team at work. Not over the top, but enough to give them a good indication of kind of what's going on. Second is to find community, whether that's with other parents of disabled children or people, you know, in the workplace or contacting charities for that additional spot. Because that can just be so helpful just to put it in real terms. Somebody else is going through it too, you know, and that really helps, I think, with support. And the third thing for me, if you are struggling with your mental health. And sometimes that's really hard to admit to. I think if you can't talk about it with your partner or, you know, your friends or you don't want to talk about it because you're embarrassed or whatever, your doctor's there. I would really suggest just reach out and talk to a doctor and try and get that help with your mental health, because it's bound to affect you. It's bound to. You've got to take care of you. If you don't take care of you, you can't take care of your child. And that's the biggest one.
1: Chaney, spot on. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you very much for sharing your experience with me today.
0: Thanks,
1: Jess. Oh my, what a trooper Chaney is and a real inspiration to me. I was so heartened to hear the encouragement one of her colleagues gave her to be open with her boss about what she was coping with and how he responded with encouraging her to work four days a week, yet paying her for five. You know, I'm sure he knew she'd continue to deliver with gusto and get five days work into those four if you have a child with a disability, I hope you feel buoyed by what you've heard. Cheney flagged the importance of getting help for mental health concerns, and episode 10 of Comeback Coach was a special edition focused purely on maternal mental health. It features three guests, including one of the co-founders of Maternal Mental Health Awareness Week, Eve Canavan, and also a perinatal clinical psychologist and author, Mia Scotland. Eve suffered postpartum psychosis, And my third guest on episode 10 is Anna Cissé, the journalist and founder of motherdom.co.uk, who talks about her experience of prenatal depression. Chaney also mentioned the awesome founder of the campaigning organisation Pregnant Then Screwed, Jodie Brearley. She's on a mission to end pregnancy and maternity discrimination and is the author of the excellent book Pregnant Then Screwed, which I consumed in a weekend and gave copies to employers when it came out. And if you haven't listened already, you can catch Jolie on Comeback Coach, episode 27. If you're looking for support with your return to work journey, you definitely need to subscribe to the fortnightly care mail I write with love and care every other Sunday. I signpost new episodes of the podcast, give you first dibs on our free events and share other snippets to support your onward career development. And remember... If you think the experience of people taking maternity and other breaks from your organisation needs improvement, please would you put me in touch with your Chief People Officer or local HR business partner. You can email me jc at talentkeepers.co.uk or DM me on Instagram using the handle at comeback.com.uk and I'll send you the right information for you to make a quick and easy introduction. Thank you so very much. Until next time. Stay bright.